Hello and welcome to my vlog. I am Brian Foster and I am bringing to you another chapter of the Gospel according to Spiritism. Tonight on Sunday, June 21st, 5 o'clock Eastern in all time zones around the world, which is 2 o'clock Pacific and all over. Thank you for joining our Sunday evening program on certain time zones, of course. So, the Gospel According to Spiritism is a wonderful book, and I recommend everyone to read that right after you read The Spirits book by Alan Kardec, codified by Alan Kardec. And Spiritism brought us something wonderful. It brought us a lot of information about the spirit world, why we are on Earth, and what it means to us each individually. Now, it, the chapter is called Ask and It Shall Be Given. And I will quote some Bible verses saying, ask and it shall be given. So when you pray, it shall be given. But it is true. There's a big but there, as I, you know, you, you love this, used to say to my children, they all laughed, is you have to remember in the spirit world, we are spirits. We are immortal spirits, meaning we live forever. And when we think we want something, a new car, a new house, a new job, a love interest, whatever, we think next week, next month, maybe at the longest next year. But the spirit world thinks of it in a much longer time frame. And in fact, one of the communications my wife and I received from the spirits, they told us that our time is not your time, which means that our time frame, like my own little small point of view on earth is not the same as the spirit's time frame because there is no time per se in the spirit world. So therefore things are a lot longer. Now, when you think about asking it shall be given, you have to think as a spirit thinks, which is over multiple lives, could be spanning hundreds or thousands of years. And that your one week or one month, when you divide it by the eternity of your life, your immortality, you divide that into infinity. That's a very small number, as close to zero as you can possibly get. Does it make a difference if it's a week, a month, or a year, or 10 years, most probably? Still, a very small number. So therefore, it is true, but you have to understand how and why it's true, and how it actually works. So let's get into it. Let's see what Alan Kardec has to say about this. So he, he quotes Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. 5 to 8, I'm sorry. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their rewards, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seest in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not in vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for much their speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. And this is what's so wonderful about spiritism. Everything Jesus said, as recorded by Matthew, is true. 
let's let's step back and let's let's you know understand what is said first god knows everything you want before you ask for it every thought you have every longing every secret desire is an open book to the spirit world they know what plans you're making they know what you're praying for they also know what you have done in this life and in the previous life. And they know what is good for you and what is not good for you. Now, when I say good for you, what do I mean by good for you from a spiritist point of view? Good for you means how you can improve your spirituality and your character and your personality in this life and your next and your subsequent lives. Meaning you take out your primitive emotions of hate and anger and pride and selfishness and replace them with love, charity, fraternity and honesty. So you have to look at everything in that venue. You still may say, hey, I'd like to be rich someday. And you'll probably get that. It may not be this life. It may be a future life. But if you want to be rich, it's also going to come with a price. And that price is you're going to is are you going to be successful in your trial or unsuccessful what is what is unsuccessful what is failure in the trial if you are rich if you are rich and you are an arrogant person uncaring you you cheated people in order to become rich you're still not humble that is failure but if you are rich and you help others you treat your employees fairly you help who you can help and you still retain your somewhat humble. I know it's hard to be completely humble when you're rich because everyone is busy, you know, busily trying to get something from you. Uh, but still, as, if, as well as you can do it, stay humble and stay grounded. That is success. Now, let's see what Alan Kardec said about this passage. This is what he wrote. Jesus clearly defined the quality of prayer. He said that when you pray, you should not make yourself conspicuous but rather pray in secret. Do not prolong your prayers because it is not by the multiplicity of the words that you will be heard, but by their sincerity. Before praying, if you have anything against another, forgive them, seeing that prayer is not pleasing to God if it does not come from a heart cleansed of all sentiments which are contrary to charity. Finally, pray with humility as did the publican and not with pride as did the Pharisee. Look at your defects, not your qualities. And if you compare yourself to others, look for what is bad in yourself. Then Alan Kardec quoted Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Again, as I said before, that is true, but only true as if you pray for things that will help you on your way to become a better person. And it may be strange how they come. Now, Alan Kardec writes, there are those who contest the effectiveness of prayer on the grounds that as God knows all our needs, it is useless to enumerate them to him. Those who think this then add that seeing that everything in the universe is linked together by eternal laws, then our petitions cannot change God's decrees. Beyond all doubt, there are natural and immutable laws which cannot be annulled at the caprice of each individual group. But from this fact to the belief that all circumstances in life are submitted to fatality, 
is a long step indeed. If it were like that, the man would be a passive instrument without free will or initiative. In this hypothesis, it would only remain for man to bow down his head in submission before all occurrences without making any effort to avoid them and should not try to ward off dangers. God did not grant reason and intelligence for men not to use them, willpower for him not to desire things, nor activity for him to remain inactive, as man is free to act one way or another for himself and towards others, the consequences depend on what he does or does not do. By his initiative, there are events which forcibly escape fatality and yet do not destroy the harmony of the universal laws. Just as the quickening or slowing down of the pendulum of a clock does not annul the law of movement upon the mechanism is based. God then can accede to certain petitions without destroying the immunity of those laws which govern the whole as constant is always dependent on his will. Now, let me give you some examples from spiritist literature and from near-death experiences. Let's do near-death experience first. On one near-death experience, this boy had a terrible accident. He was on like a cliff, a limestone cliff, and it was very cold, and he was on this boulder, and of course it broke because of the ice and it expanded the boulder. He was very severely injured. His guardian angel came to him and said, look, you're very severely injured. I can repair this. You don't have to go through life. If you go through life, these wonderful things will happen to your father and your, your mother and your sister. If you don't, then their life won't be as well. They'll, they'll, it won't be as good as life, but you also will be in pain in your later years. So here is a, an instance from a near death experience of giving, okay, you can take these two paths and the spirit world can take care of those two paths. They have enough computing power, Monte Carlo simulations, however you want to look at it, that they can handle all your intersections with everybody else okay enough for you to be granted a choice. Because remember, our life is predetermined, but it's not everything. So let me, let me explain that for a second. Your trials and tribulations will most likely happen to you. There are, there are always exceptions, depending on the circumstances. But really what you have the freedom to do is your attitude and how much you learn through those trials and tribulations. Now, this only happens, this kind of straitjacket of events that will be into your life, when we're still on a planet of atonement. As we go on higher and higher planets, when we are in a physical envelope, we'll have more freedom of actions because we will be mature. It's like, it's like going to a middle school where they watch everything you do because you're just a mass of hormones and you're about as irresponsible as you can get versus when you go to college and you say, okay, you decide on the courses, do the best you can. We're not going to coddle you. It's the same way in the spirit world. We are on the campus called earth. We are here to improve ourselves. And we have a choice to improve ourselves as fast or slow as we want. Thankfully, we have forever to improve. You may not want to stick around while everyone else is graduating and you're still in the sixth grade, but that is your free will choice. So let's take another example. In one of the books by 
Henri Louis, psychographed by the wonderful Brazilian medium, uh, Chico Xavier. There is uh, a, a passage where this young man, a boy about, uh, I think like eight or nine, and his, his um, grandmother is dying. Now, his, well, actually his adopted grandmother and his adopted mother is having a baby. She's pregnant and she's actually going to have his future wife. Now he knows his, he's adopted in this family. He knows that woman who's pregnant is very mentally fragile right now. And he also knows that the grandmother is destined to leave the earth at a certain time. But what he does is he prayers and he asks for the spirit would say, look, can you delay this death until she has the baby? Because I believe that if she dies while she's still pregnant, it could be bad for the baby. And then a lot of things won't happen. And given that this, this child who is, you know, in reality, a pretty mature and not a low spirit at all, he's from heaven sent on a mission to help spiritism. He was listened to and said, okay, let's change the plans. So plans can change. They changed the plans under Lewis as part of that team, and they kept the grandmother alive until after the baby was born. So you see, things can change. It's not, destiny is not set in stone. There's also, you know, other examples that I can go through, and I give you examples in my books. And if you want to look at my books, it's on nwspiritualism.com. And I go a lot of how prayer works and things like that when I talk in my first book, Heaven and Below. It's all about heaven and what's in heaven and how heaven works and how the umbral, the lower zone, and the zone below that with a type of purgatory. And the more you understand the spirit world, the more you can understand what's happening to you. Because when people pray, and you don't have to pray. Now, again, Spiritism says this. You don't have to believe in God to pray. If you really want something, you want something because it's going to be good for you or your family, and you're asking in complete sincerity, and you say, oh, can, can I help so-and-so, or can I help my mother and father? And that prayer will be known. And again, they say, you, know, you don't need a formula. You don't need beads, you don't need to, to wear something, you don't need to eat or not eat something. No, it's in your mind. That's what spirit, spiritism really is all set upon how you, through your studying of spirituality and of the spirit world and God and Jesus, because Jesus is your pathway to understand the spirit world and God, that is what is important. So we carry on with Alan Kardec. From the maxim, whatever you ask for through prayer will be granted. It would be illogical to conclude that one can receive just by asking and unjust to accuse providence if a request made is not conceded, because it is known what is best for our own good. This is what happens to a prudent father who refuses to give his son certain things, which would be against his own interests. Generally, man only sees the present moment, meaning if the suffering is useful to our future happiness, then God will let us suffer, just as a surgeon allows the patient to suffer an operation which will cure him. What God will concede if we direct ourselves to him with confidence is courage, patience, and resignation. 
What he will also concede are the means of resolving situations with the help of ideas suggested to us by good spirits at God's instigation. Whereby we retain the merit for the decisions taken. God helps all those who help themselves according to the maxim, help yourself and the heavens will come to your aid. But he does not help those who, without using their own faculties, wait for outside assistance. Nevertheless, in most cases, what man desires to be is helped by miracles without using any effort of his own. So, so this is all true. And the other thing that Spiritism tells us is if we think, and just like Alan Kardec said, is if we think of a way to help ourselves in a more exalted a more less selfish prayer, those are the most likely to be answered. Okay, so let's carry on with Alan Kardec. Oh, let me remind everybody that for now on Sundays, I am giving this talk at 5 p.m. Eastern. I used to do this at 7 Eastern, but now uh, I am going on at 5 p.m. Eastern on Sundays, and I'm doing the same time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Tuesdays. So I'm going to have two live streams per week on YouTube. So I hope you join me. And also, while I'm thinking about it, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Please hit the bell. Give me a comment. It's all great. And, um, and, and ask questions. Cause if you ask a question, I will, I, if it's pertinent, right? I don't want to carry off the tangent too much sometimes, but I will try and answer that question as I am live. This is a good spot for people asking questions about spiritism, especially about if any topic I am talking about. So let's carry back on with, um, with Alan Kardec. So he says, let us take an example. A man finds himself lost in the desert. Thirst is torturing him terribly. Fainting, he falls to the ground. He asks God to help him and waits. No angel will come to give him water. However, what does happen is that a good spirit suggests the idea of picking himself up and taking one of the paths that are before him. By pure mechanical movement, uniting what is left of his strength, he gets up, walks, and discovers not far away a brook. On sighting this, he gains courage. If he has faith, he exclaims, Thank you, dear God, for the idea you inspired and for the strength you gave me. And if he is without faith, he will say, what a good idea I had. How lucky I was to take the right-hand path and not the one on the left. Chance sometimes serves me admirably. I must congratulate myself for my courage and for not being defeated. But you may ask why the spirit did not say clearly, follow that path and you will find what you need. Why did the spirit not show himself, guide him, and sustain him in his disanimation? In that way, the man would have been convinced of the intervention of providence. Firstly, so as to teach him that each person must help themselves and make use of their strength. Secondly, because the man doubted his existence, God put the confidence he had in him to the test, as well as testing his submission to his will. The man was in the situation of the child who falls down, and because someone is with him, he starts to cry and waits to be picked up. If the same child saw no one, he would make the effort and get up by himself. If the angel which accompanied Tobias had said, 
I am sent by God to guide you on your journey, preserve you from all danger. Then Tobias could claim no merit in entrusting himself to his companion. He would not even had to think. This is why the angel only made himself known after the return. So let's think about all this. So let's talk about prayer and what we've learned from prayer and other spiritist literature. Now, and this is important for people to realize how involved the spirit world is in our life. Our prayers receive more attention than many of us believe. One of the recurring themes in spiritist literature is the care and consideration of our prayers. We are listened to in the spirit world. No matter how small or inconsiderable we think ourselves to be, our requests are analyzed. The importance of prayer for ourselves and how the spirit world reacts to our devotion is discussed in the book Life Beyond the Veil in the Lowlands of Heaven section. And I have all this in my series of free books, Heaven and Below, Spirits and Spirit Universe, and How Spirits Guide Us. And I take all the information in the Life Beyond the Veil series and other series of books by Chico Xavier, Devaldo Franco, Yvonne Piera. And I bring this information all about the spirit world together so you can learn. And I take each type of subject and, and discuss it from different angles. Because I believe the way for people to really discover spiritism is to understand what the spirits have told us about the spirit world, why we are on earth, what our, our, our reason for being alive in a material body, and what does that mean to us to go back into heaven or wherever we're going to go, depending on our level of spirituality. Because the more we understand the environment in which we work, live, and breathe in, and what that means to us, the more we can decide our own fate and how we will be a better person for it. Let me discuss that for one second before I get off this subject. So really the process, and this is important with prayer. And this is why prayer is important actually, is karma and reincarnation are two of very important processes. Karma is, works like this. In the previous life, everything is recorded. Everything, every detail. The plan for our current life is a result from our previous life. And then what we are doing in this life, the life we are living right now, as you are watching this video, is really going to determine how good or full of turmoil is your next life, right? Step three, because your present life is recorded and it will be used to determine your next life. And you live life after life in your quest to become a pure spirit. So prayer helps us in our quest to become a pure spirit by asking for things which will help us get there. So let's talk about that. So the spirit astral talks to the Reverend Jeeva Owen about how the spirit world analyzes the power of prayer and meditation. This is what he says, the spirit astral. He says, prayer is not merely the asking for something you wish to attain. It is much more than that. And because it is so, it should receive more careful consideration that it has yet received. What you have to do in order to make a prayer a power is to cast aside the temporal and fix your mind and spirit on the eternal. That's exactly what I was talking about at the beginning. 
is don't worry about this week or next week. Don't think about indefinite time zones. Think about what can help you throughout your immortality. What can help you grow? Because all that you're going to take with you after you die is what? Your personality and your character. I'll carry on. When you do that, you find that many items you would have included in your prayer drop out from the very incongruity of their presence and the greater and wider issues become to you the focus of your creative power. Let me give you an example real quick before I carry on. You're worried about your children and you say your prayer for your children is, you know, you know, can my son or daughter get that job, right? Things like that. But what you may want to say is, can my son or my daughter go through their trials with character? Please give them strength to learn what they need to learn and help them to live a good and honest lifestyle so they can improve in this life and become more spiritual. Then that will put in a lot of complex things of helping them choose the right path and helping to open their minds to learn the lessons they need to learn. Because really that's all that's important. It's not important that you, your son or your daughter, your cousins or brother or sister become wealthier, have the best car or best house on the block. That is totally unimportant. What's important is that they learn and they grow spiritually. There's nothing, everything else is just gross. Everything else is, is unimportant. You don't need that yacht. The more you divest yourself of these material goods, the more you can rise yourself up and understand about your spirituality and the priorities you have in place. I'm not saying that wear a hair shirt or give away everything. You know, you have to live, you have to eat, you got to drive places, right? You need all that. You got to get your kids through college. I understand to school or whatever, help them, but you don't have to walk over people to get what you want. Let me carry on with the quote. For prayer is really creative as the exercise of the will, as seen in our Lord's miracles, such as the feeding of the 5,000. And when prayer is offered with this conviction, then the object is created and the prayer is answered. That is, the objective answers to the subjective in such a way that an actual creation has taken place. Now, this last sentence reveals a lot about the spirit world. The objective answers to the subjective. What do they mean by that? What spiritism tells us is that we live in an objective world. We are on in this physical plane. A wall is a wall. My, my, my head's made of flesh and bone and it can, I can't penetrate it with my finger, right? I can't levitate things. Uh, it, what I want so what, right? What I want, if I want to walk through that wall, I'll just hit my net, hit my head or break my nose or whatever. It's not going to work. But in the spirit world, guess what? Thought is action. If you want to, you can walk through walls. If you want to, you can say, oh, I want to be on the other side of the world. You think that and you are there. That is subjective, meaning the world is how you want to think it. You can, you can create, that is create. And so what he's saying is that when you pray and the prayer is answered, the subjective world and the spirit world will change some of the objects in your physical world to your benefit.
or whoever you're praying for benefit. Now what they actually say is, we go from the objective to the subjective to the sublime, because there is something beyond which they do not know what it is. They say there are, there are more dimensions, there are, there's, who knows what's more, right? If there is a more, another dimension that is time is, is you know, a, a dimension that you can see in the spirit world, then who knows how many more dimensions of what you can't see or can't see or look over everything as you go higher and higher. They don't know. They say there's, there are levels that they have no idea. And what we're talking about are just the fantastic levels around the earth, right? And there are certain levels of heavens around other planets. Let's get back to prayer. So that is really an important concept. Next, the next one is the aspect of thinking about the eternal. Since we are here on earth to learn to be more loving and spiritual, praying for superfluous material possessions will get all of the attention it deserves, which is to say very little. On the other hand, desiring to be given strength to successfully end a trial with newfound knowledge is an imperishable attribute we would take with us for life after life. Praying for enlightenment, such as a solution to a problem, or for the benefit of others, will always receive due consideration. This type of request, which illustrates a desire for spiritual or intellectual self-advancement, is a sign to the spirit world that one is serious about their assignment on earth. So, now, the examples that I've, cite, I've cited aren't merely an intellectual exercise. Okay, well, I have a question first. Why, even though we pray asking God in order to protect and help us, a lot of thoughts pass through our mind. I mean, things that we don't want to. And you know, it's a good question. And, and actually, Socrates answered that question. If he says, as long as you're in a physical body, you can never attain wisdom. Because every time you think, there's a million thoughts going through you and you're always distracted and you can't really concentrate on any one thing. And of course, Socrates was correct, right? You're, you're, and and this, is the, this is on purpose because I believe, I've never read it in black and white on from in the spiritual literature, but this is what I believe in reading everything I've, I've read. We're not on earth to become a mental giant, an intellectual, you know, a great scientist, right? It's, that's not that important. What's important is our change in our character and our personality. Now, when we're in our physical brain, thoughts come through, right? Our own brain thinks of all these type of thoughts. Thoughts also travel through. We, we writ them subconsciously. And which is even worse, we have all these spirits around us. Maybe not, I'm not saying the good spirits, but more of the, the not so good and the mischievous spirits giving us probably not very fruitful thoughts for us to think about. So we are in this, we are in this environment like you are going through basic training where you're crawling through the mud with barbed wire over you with some, uh, a sergeant firing live ammunition of a machine gun over your head. So why, why, why can't we concentrate? Because you're really, you're learning to be calm. You'll be able to concentrate in the later world, in the world of regeneration, the planet regeneration and higher. Right now, we are just learning a couple concepts. 
to be calm in the face of adversity, to learn how to filter out bad thoughts, because once you're a higher spirit, you're going to be in places like this and you're going to have all sorts of spirits ask you all sorts of stupid things and wanting stupid things. And you're going to have to calmly figure out what should be done or should not be done. So I believe this whole thing about, you know, not being able, I, that's why when people say, well, I meditate and I always thought, God, I wish I could meditate that well, because I can never free myself of thoughts. I've always got something coming in. I'm a, you know, if I meditate, I usually sleep. Sometimes I can meditate, most of the time I fall asleep. I'm horrible. But that is part of the training. That's, that is my answer of why we can't clear our minds and, and focus as well as we should. Sometimes you can, but it's not easy. So, again, let's talk about thoughts more. While we are on earth, we consider our thoughts to be perishable. And as quick as we think, they are gone. They are meaningless. But of course, this is not true. Our thoughts radiate outward from us. Each thought is tagged with our personal identification and most probably a timestamp and a location. We know this by two sources. First, what is told to us in spiritual literature, literature, and secondly, accounts from near-death experiences. When people have reported a life review during a NDE, they invariably describe the ability, near-death experience, of a spirit world to recount their thoughts second by second and the feelings of others interacting with them. Nothing is lost or forgotten. Your life is an open book. Now, let's learn what happens to a misguided prayer. We have learned what a prayer should be. Now we'd like to know what happens to all those selfish prayers, like the one I used to make as a kid, wishing for a new bike, or the most regular prayer I had, asking that school be closed tomorrow or the whole week if possible. This is what we are told. Let me quote. Then the project of the wheel will glance off tangent, and the effect is only proportionate to the scattered rays by which the objective is touched. Also, when the prayer is mixed with motives unworthy, it is proportionally weakened and also meets with opposing or regulating wills on this side, as the case may require, and so the effect is not attained as desired. End quote. So, in essence, if we pray for something selfishly, it is duly noted but mostly ignored. When we pray for what we should not have, the answer may come back to us in another lesson. Be careful where you turn your attention, for your thoughts and desires may have unintended consequences. An example, a woman recounted a near-death experience where she started off by asking God to make her happy. She had a good job and a wonderful husband, but that wasn't good enough for her. Her prayer was answered. How? She was in a terrible automobile accident where she was in intense pain. So bad she could no longer work. It was the lowest moment of her life. Then she yelled at God, telling the supreme intelligence that her life was even worse. Again, her prayer was answered. After taking her pain medicine and going out to dinner, she became so drunk that on her way home, she vomited in the car and then insisting she could walk to the front door without the help of her wonderful husband, she fell and hit her head. Her husband drove her to the hospital. Only when she was recovering did she feel a transformation. For the first time, she felt what others felt. Instead of being a standoffish person, patients and even the staff gravitated to her to tell her their innermost thoughts. She became content with her life. She didn't miss that old job and the bountiful salary 
She dedicated herself to helping others. But to come to the point, it involved pain and anguish. It wasn't an easy road for her. Now, let's say, how does the spirit world analyze her prayers? In the communication from the spirit astral to the Reverend G. Bao Owen, we are allowed to peek behind the curtains to discern the process by which prayers are analyzed. This is what he says. For you must know that there are appointed guardians of prayer here whose duty it is to analyze and sift prayers offered by those on earth and separate them into divisions and departments and pass them on to be examined by others and dealt with according to their merit and power. You know, and the process, when he says that, it sounds earth-like, right? Okay, I've got this prayer, what am I going to do with it? Send it up, send it down, send it across. And as much as we would wish it to be otherwise, earth is a poor reflection of heaven. People organize themselves the same way we do. Much superior, but essentially the same. How work is done, how other man, mundane tasks we bring, our inclinations from our sojourn during our spirit life to our incarnated lifespan. Hence, in heaven as on earth, there are vast organizations and levels of management and the separation of duties. Fear not, spirit bureaucracy is not like ours, uncaring, stiff, arrogant, and full of pompous managers. The vital point to be taken is the amount of care parceled out to every one of us. It is amazing. Chico Xavier said, you cannot believe how much love is given to us here on earth. The spirituality, God, Jesus, the spirit world, is listening and responding. We just lack the sensitivity to recognize the, the effect it has on our life. It can be done by evaluating your life, the signals and synchronicities that have shaped your present. You can begin to reveal the marvelous ways in which you have been guided. And I talk about that in my book, The Seven Tenets of Spiritism, how they impact your daily life. I talk about my own personal journey to how I found spiritism and how it impacts everything I do in life and how I see, as I said before, the signs and synchronicities when things happen, when all of a sudden one door is shut, another door is open. These are all gifts from the spirit world for us to stay on the right path. It's very important for us to realize how involved the spirit world is with us. And the more we can rest ourselves and meditate occasionally and be open to suggestions from the good spirits, as I say, this is part of the test, right? You've got to learn to filter the good suggestions from the bad suggestions and use your conscience. Learn to use your conscience. Learn to gauge and weigh everything that if your conscience feels comfortable and you don't feel stressed because you made that decision. It's usually the right decision. It could be wrong sometimes because there's things you don't know. And there's experiences you haven't had and complexities that you're not aware of. But on, on the whole, follow your conscience. So. So and then also Astral says there are some prayers which must be referred to even higher authorities. Prayers which are beyond the capability of certain levels of heaven to determine the best course of action. So Asheville tells us what is done with desires which are undecipherable. I quote Astral, the spirit Astral. These we pass on to those of higher grade to be dealt with in their greater wisdom. And do not think that these latter are always found among the prayers of the wise. 
They are frequently found in the prayers of children whose petitions and sighs are as carefully considered here as those of nations, end quote. So hence, the requests of children struggling in dysfunctional families or other dire circumstances are carefully reviewed. The love of children is equal or even more profound in the spirit realm than it is on earth. In heaven, without deep love, a soul can't enter, while earth is home to many levels of incarnated spirits. Some who have no love for anything or anyone but themselves. So finally, to dispel any doubt as to how prayers are analyzed and then acted upon, Astro gives us this example. This is what he says. Thy prayers and thine alms are come up before a memorial before God. You will remember these words spoken by the angel to Cornelius. They are often passed over without being understood as the literal, the literal description of those prayers and alms as they appeared to that angel and were passed on probably by himself and his fellow workers into the higher realms. It is as if, as if he had said, your prayers and alms came before my own committee and were duly considered on their merits. We passed them as worthy and have received notification from those officers above us that they are exceptional merit and require a special treatment. Therefore, I have been commissioned to come to you. We are trying to put the case as emphatically as we can in your language of official business in order to help you understand as much as you may be able of the conditions here obtaining. End quote. So how often do we hear that communication in the spirit world is wrapped in a parable or the meaning is difficult to comprehend? Here is an example of a straightforward message, plain as day, as to how prayers operate. This is the, the wonderful revelation of spiritism. The idea of, of the spirit world in heaven is fuzzy in almost every other religion. Spiritism, it tells you what's waiting for you, right? You are who you are. You've got, I'm sorry, you got more work to do, but just work you're going to love. You're always going to be learning. You're going to be working. And, but you're going to do stuff you love doing and makes you feel good for eternity. And you're going to be with wonderful people. You're not going to be in this political environment where you can get sick or any of that stuff. No, you're forever young. You're forever well. And you look the way you want to look. They tell us so much. And even what they're telling us is huge. But I'm sure we're just seeing this small little through the window, right? A little keyhole of what we can detect or can't detect. So, in essence, when you pray, try to be worthy of what you ask for. Demonstrate previous spiritual growth or the desire for it. Ask only for what helps you or others to improve while on trial on earth or at least to successfully complete a trial. Astral tells us that prayers prove angels shed tears. They see and hear what is requested and their hearts cry out in pity and love. He asked us to remember that love and compassion are real objects, just as is hate and greed. And this is, this is again so true: is that these things are real in the spirit in the spirit world? Is that they are affect the angels because they are here to help us? And I really what I'm talking a lot about in prayer is in my book, How We Are Guided by Spirits, book three of Spiritism, The Spirit World Revealed to an Anglican Vicar. And in that book, I talk about how we are individually good. In this book, as well as my book, The Seven Tenets of 
of spiritism, which is more of my personal journey. And this is more of all the information that I can supply you of, inf you know, of how the spirit world guides us, how they guide nations, what the future is going to be involved for us. It, it is really details a lot of this information and gives you an exciting vision of tomorrow of knowing that it doesn't matter if life isn't wonderful by the time you end this life. It will be. You just keep striving. Your next life, will, if you do good in this life, your next life will be better and better and better and better your next life. And before you know it, you'll be on a planet, maybe Earth, maybe a different planet, a planet of regeneration, a wonderful planet. Earth will be the paradise it should be. There won't be any wars. Everyone will take care of everyone else. It will be a wonderful place. Now, that's not possible on a planet of atonement. We are too immature. We're too selfish. We're too prideful. No perfect form of government is ever going to make that answer, no matter what anybody wants. It's unfortunate, but it's true because we're all selfish, prideful human beings. And so many people who are in politics want it for the power and the wealth. And therefore, it's not going to work until we all change ourselves. That day will come. We just have to keep more and more and helping ourselves and more and more of us change ourselves to become a better person. That is the important thing. It's one grain of sand at the time. So let's carry on with what Alan Kardec says. Prayer is an invocation through which by means of thought, man enters into communication with the being whom he directed himself. This may be for the purpose of asking for something, giving thanks or as a glorification. We may pray for ourselves as for others, for the living or for the dead. Now, let me address that when he says for the living or for the dead. And I, I talk about for the living. Let's talk about for the dead. When someone who has just died, don't say, oh, I wish you were back here, right? Because you're pulling them back, right? You're making them feel guilty about being the spirit world. Spirit world, most probably, if, they're in, if they were a good person, is a wonderful place. So instead, say, oh, I hope you are supported where you are. I hope you find happiness. Stay calm. Please, other spirits, help this newly arrived spirit. That is really how you should say, like for, for my mother who's passed away, I, I say, you know, I say, mom, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Don't worry about me here. I know what I have to do, but learn as much as you can. You know, I hope you're talking to dad, right? Because he's up there too. My parents were both wonderful. And, you know, just be supportive and, and say, please, other spirits, help them as much as you can and be happy there. Don't worry about me. And if you like, you know, be, be fine. But you are wonderful because if you have thoughts of holding them on and not letting them go, then that that makes them it hurts their their ability to ascend and learn new things because they're then they're, they're, they're drawn and they're focused on you instead of focus, focusing on improving themselves. Um, let me carry on what Alan Kardec says. Prayers addressed to God are heard by those spirits who are charged with the execution of his will. And, and of course, this was in 1850. Now, the information I brought you a couple of minutes ago is all information given to us in the early 1900s and middle 20th century. So it just shows you spiritism is always giving us more information. 
All those addressed, I'm quoting again, all those addressed to good spirits are referred to God when someone prays to beings other than God. These are serving as mediators or intercessors because nothing can happen without God's wishes. Spiritism makes the acts of prayer understandable by explaining how thought is transmitted, either when the spirit to whom we are praying comes to our help, or when our thoughts rise themselves up to this being. In order to understand what happens in this circumstance, it is necessary to consider all incarnate and discarnate beings as immersed in universal cosmic fluid, which occupies space as we are on Earth, are immersed in the atmosphere. This fluid receives an impulse from willpower, which is the vehicle of thought just as air is the vehicle for sound, with the difference that the vibrations of air are circumscribed, whereas those of the universal cosmic fluid extend infinitely. So, all true. And it's been told to us in other words by other spirits. And that when you have your thought goes all the way to the end of the universe and back again, goes everywhere. Now, during the time in the 1850s, as he explained this, he talked about vibrations and sound that just go throughout everything. Another way to think about it here in our present age is to think about the universal cloud and big data, right? Once we put something in the universal cloud, think of it as being connected with everything else. If we put something in there like our address, we connect it with every other address in our city, and then in our state, then in our country, then on Earth. It's all, it's all there. You look up Earth, you can find our address by just dive, you know, diving deeper into that table, our tables. And everything is connected. There's data everywhere. It's live. And really, here on Earth, it's almost like data is physical. To us, it's physical. Because everything is a thought construct. Now, as I've talked before about it, it's not like we can make our own completely independent construct because we are influenced by superior spirits and spirits around us that we tend to conform with their idea of the atmosphere when we're in the spirit world. But as higher and higher you go, who knows what you can or can't do. So then Alan Kardec goes on. So when a thought is directed at someone either on earth or in space, from an incarnate to a discarnate being or vice versa, a fluidic current is established between them and which transmits the thought from one to the other, just as air transmits sound. And of course, you can say this is data, right? Data goes from your, from your cell phone, goes to your friend's cell phone, maybe on the other side of the world, right? Through, through, you know, Zoom or WhatsApp or whatever app we're talking about. It's there. It's the same way in a spirit world, but just much higher complex. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's, it is amazing how the spirit world is connected. And I'm sure that how it logically and then things go into physical manifestations of what we think are physical manifestations to our senses is, it's still, I mean, they haven't told us exactly how that happens. They conceptually said about how that happens. But how that really translate is, I believe, beyond our comprehension at this particular moment. But be that as it may, it still exists. And that's why Spiritism says there's no such thing as miracles. There's just things you don't understand. Everything has a logical explanation. Jesus showing up, Christ showing up after 
in the resurrection in that room with all the apostles. That's not a miracle. That is, as the, the spirits told, told us, that is, in fact, it was told to us, I talk about it in this book. That is Jesus thinking himself into that room, into Jerusalem at that time with those people. He thought himself into that environment. He made himself visible to the apostles, told him what he wanted to tell them. And then he didn't walk away. He thought, okay, I'm thinking myself back into my other environment where I want to be in. He didn't change where he physically was. He changed the environment. And in fact, that's what spirits tell us, right? There's no such thing as far or near. It's presence or absence. And you can only get to that concept if you really look at as everything's a logical construct and that the data, you're either in state A, state B, state C, right? And there you are. Very interesting. Anyway, I hope this has been helpful for everyone. And I, of course, I talk about a lot of this in my book, Kevin Below, Book One of Spiritism. I would recommend you read that book first and then my other two books, uh, Spirits and Spirit Universe, and then How We Are Guided by Spirits. But again, also read the Spirits book and the Gospel According to Spiritism. Those were all great. That you should start with the, the Spirits book is a perfect introduction to Spiritism. Now I have, you can find any of Alan Kardec's book on PDF. You put in Alan Kardec space PDF. I am right now working on an audible book, the Spirits book. Actually, I have all my Heaven and Below book one, two, and three on audible right now on audiobook, but I am creating a audiobook on the spirits book and that will be on my website nwspiritism.com and that will be for free uh, so and i'm finished with book one you can download that you can listen to it and i'm posting all my the spirits book each chapter by chapter you can look for it on the playlist and you can do one chapter at a time if you want instead of reading spirit the spirits book by alan kardec codified by alan kardec you can listen to it uh, unfortunately, just with my voice, but if you want to read it, you can read it yourself. But I am posting that and I'm in the middle of creating that book. So I hope that you enjoy that. Uh, of course, that's completely free. I also have my book, uh, Spiritism 101. I have that in Kindle. I will have that in audiobook and paperback, but I also have it on PDF and on my site, nwspiritism.com on the right hand side, you'll see Spiritism 101. And you can see all the options and at the, the last one is you can just download the PDF. You can get that for free again. Anyway, and send that to your friends. Tell your your friends about the audiobook. Anything you can to help to help people understand why they're here. Because I sincerely believe that once you understand the spirit world, why we are here, why things happen to us and others, you'll be a much happier and stress-free person. God bless.